Eagles fans, welcome back to another edition of Football 24-7. I'm your guy, Tone DeShields II, and I'm joined by our Eagles insider, John McMullen. Make sure you guys smash that like button. Make sure you guys give us a subscribe to the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. And if you guys want more content from Jacob, you guys know where to go. Check us out on jacobsports.com. Also, check John out on si.com. And also, make sure you guys lock in on the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. A lot of content is available on there for you guys to lock in on. Birds 365, uh, Sports Take, the National Football Show. You can catch all those shows at 8, 12 p.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern time, respectively, of course. John, my friend, how are you feeling in this Saturday afternoon? <clears throat> Doing well. A little bit, uh, you know, want to see some football on Sunday, but we got to wait an extra day, so it's been a while. It seems like uh, it's way too early for a mini buy, but um, and then you get the extra day on top of it. So uh, maybe the Eagles can uh, fix some things. They weren't able to work as much between week one and week two, it was sort of a DNA game. And maybe they they got an opportunity to step back and try to pick some of the things. But I got to tell you, man, I was down there today and they're very happy with the way Brian Johnson uh, handled the Vikings game. And I know a lot of Eagles fans are upset uh, about the lack of a passing attack, but I can tell you in that building, they're thrilled with the way he handled things. And that's what the NFL is, man. Somebody gives you something, take it. And um, I think too many play callers get caught up in that sort of outside noise and saying, oh, you, you got 456 yards, but you didn't get it the way I wanted it. <laughs> and, you know, a win's a win. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, today, Eagles fans, we're going to get into the Eagles defense and the Buccaneers offense. Yesterday we talked about the Eagles offense and the Buccaneers defense. But, John, uh, really quickly, based off what you said, I mean, historically the Eagles or what we've heard through the grapevine is whenever they've had a game that – in their opinion, they felt like they should have had a better air attack. One game stand, that stands out to me is that Packers-Eagles matchup where, the, where Carson Wentz yeah. led those guys up at Lambeau. And the rumor was uh, the, the organization wasn't too happy with how they got the job done in that game. They leaned heavily on the running game uh, in that game. But, you know, you say that they were thrilled with how Brian Johnson handled the matchup, especially with him leaning on the running game. You know, can you ex ex expand on that and try to connect the dots there for me? Well, that was Jeffrey Lurie, and, you know, a lot of that was you're talking about the Green Bay game, and, and there's no doubt that Jeffrey Lurie um, believes, and he's correct, by the way, believes 
uh, to win consistently in the modern NFL, you have to have a, a explosive passing game. Um, you know, a lot of people, and it happened. Um, 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 you know, he questioned Doug Peterson, who was the coach at the time, uh, about uh, you know what went on in the game. But you know, people take things in different ways. Now Jeffrey will say he's an inquisitive person. He's just asking questions. They aren't meant in a negative fashion. That that's his side of the fence. Doug's side of the fence was, what the hell are you complaining about? We just upset a, a great team at the time in at Lambeau Field. Um, a win's a win, as I just said. So. Um, what I'm talking about today is not involving Jeffrey Lurie mm. might still want to pass the ball. It's involving, uh, you know, people on the football side who kind of are more in tune with um, how difficult it is in this league to win from week to week to week. And look, I mean, all you got to do when fans can do this too now, you know, if, if you got the 99 bucks or whatever they charge for it now, NFL game pass, you can get the coaches film. I mean, they're just playing umbrella coverage. Why are you going to throw into that? And they re, report, they refuse to come out of it. Um, and it was a unique situation because most defensive coordinators would have come out of it when they started to get gashed uh, in the running game, but they didn't. Minnesota didn't. So, you know, what are you going to do? Throw into eight-man coverages, or are you going to take six, seven free yards, basically? And and I think the Eagles did did the right thing as the yardage and the scoreboard kind of cements yeah i would agree with that i, th- I think again we, we spoke about this yesterday briefly uh i think it's a positive sign to see brian johnson uh truly understand the pulse of a game you know you always say it all the time right and i learned this from you um games take on an identity you know games have a complexion about them right and you, you're not going to approach every matchup necessarily the same and even when you have a game plan sometimes most of the time, the game plan doesn't necessarily necessarily go according to plan. Injuries happen. Uh, the other team may do something that you didn't anticipate, so on and so forth. So you have to be able to respond to the pulse, to the overall timber of the of the football game. And I think that's what stood out the most about Brian Johnson in week two. Uh, week one seemed like he kind of was trying to, you know, uh, impose his will. Week two, he came back to the drawing board and said, you know what? This is what they're giving me. This is how I'm going to respond. And I think – and I think that's a step in a positive direction for the Eagles' offense in particular. Yeah, I was I was told they ran 15 consecutive inside zones at one point, um, um, <laughs> which is, you know, and again, that's dominance. It, by the way, to run the same play and they can't stop you. That's that's dominance right there. It it, it takes discipline as well too, because you know people get antsy and they say, "Oh, we can't do this again. We can't do this again. Why can't you?" You know. I bring up that XFL story. You might have heard me say it. When the XFL might coaches, you got an opportunity to see. Like, the NFL doesn't want that because they don't want you to see what they're doing. And they mm-hmm. sure as hell don't want you to see when they make a mistake. But it was Hal Mummy, who was a longtime college coach, longtime offensive mind. And he was coaching in the XFL, calling plays. You know, his team was rolling, and it was a similar type thing. Um, 
and I think people don't understand. It's like they were running the football, and he said it, his play call was, and I quote, do it again. That was the play call. Mm. You know, and he did it about four or five straight times. You know, it can be that simple at times um, if, if it's working. It doesn't have to be complicated. Um, if somebody can't stop something, why stop? Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that's just where we are right now. Uh, everything has to look sexy. You know, we're, we're in that age where um, how things look. Uh, people care more about how things look than actually care more about than what it actually is. Um, but what I want to talk to you about today is the Eagles defense and the Buccaneers offense. Like I said uh, earlier, Eagles fans, uh, we touched on the Eagles offense and their struggles and how they could potentially bounce back against this Buccaneers defense and what the potential game plan uh, may look like. Let's flip to the other side of the ball with the Eagles defense. Now, uh, some key players on that side that I'm going to be paying close attention to, obviously Sean Desai and his play calling, but Darius Slade, Bradbury, you know, those two guys have a tall task ahead of them this week based up against Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Those two are some of the most electrifying wide receivers uh, in the NFL. Uh, Chris Godwin is the is the speedster, the, uh, the pure route runner. Mike Evans is the big body, 6'5", 230 wide receiver. He's always open, right? Uh, he can box you out. He can pretty much run every route in the route tree. Um, and then also that Eagles D line, right? Can they get pressure on Baker Mayfield? Um, it's going to be really interesting to see. And the Eagles have struggled against tight ends. Kate Otten, um, they've been trying to get him involved as well. So those are some of the key players on both sides of the ball for the Eagles and the Buccaneers. You know, I, I guess for me, right, where I want to start, uh, I want to start with the defensive line for the Eagles because uh, they've been dominant against the run uh, through two games, uh, only giving up uh, 76 rushing yards in week one, 28 rushing yards in week two. Granted, Vikings have no running game. Um, the Patriots, they historically have had a running game. Um, so I want to make sure the Eagles get their credit, you know, with limiting them to 76 yards. But uh, the, Vic, uh, the the Buccaneers, they're a team that's – their running game is starting to come alive. Uh, week one, they only had 73 rushing yards, but then in week two against the Bears, 120 rushing yards. Um, I'm curious to know what's your, you know what's your thoughts on this Eagles defensive line and the impact that they have to make in particular in the running game. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's been much improved in a in a small sample size. As you mentioned, you know, the Vikings are, are really struggling to the point that they already made a trade for Cam Akers. Wow. Um, that's how bad they're struggling. Uh, so maybe you throw that out. But as you mentioned, New England uh, is a little bit better, uh, and they did a good job there. So you've certainly seen an improvement from Jordan Davis, and I think that's been – most notable um and and the linebackers you know for all the criticism they get they they've done pretty well in the run game uh nicobe in week one i thought you know struggled in the in the passing game but i thought he was really good in run support um i think nicholas morrow held up pretty well um now again it's tough to tell against the vikings because they they got you know, poor Alexander Madison, as soon as he touched the football, it was really the disruption of the defensive front. So, um, you know, the positive for the Eagles this week is it it it, it shapes up well on paper. Uh, the running game is not a strength of the Bucs. The Bucs, you know, the last time Eagles fans saw them when they were, uh, uh, a, when they were a really Super Bowl-level team contender, um, you know, 
Ryan Jensen was out there, one of the best centers in football. Uh, his career is now in jeopardy uh, because of an injury. He's not going to play for this entire season. Wow. You know, they have two really good guards. Um, both are gone now. Um, Tristan Wirfs is one of the best tackles. They've moved him from right tackle to left tackle. So it's not nearly the same offensive line, which was one of the best in football uh, back in 2021 when the Eagles played him twice. Um, and the Eagles should be able to take advantage of that. I think that's, you know, typically it's going to be that every week. The Eagles defensive front is going to have an advantage over the opposing offensive line. But that's been the one theme throughout these first three games. Bad offensive line, bad offensive line, bad offensive line. With the exception of, you know, Tristan Wirfs. And last week was Brian O'Neill. You can you can have one or two. I mean, but the Eagles are going to take advantage of weak spots, and there's plenty of weak spots. Um, so I, I like that matchup for the Eagles. And um, I think I say it all the time. If you can't block people, you can't play offense. So it's going to start there for the Eagles. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Like you said, back-to-back weeks, they played up against mediocre to subpar offensive lines. This week is going to be pretty much the same thing. But the Eagles haven't really – and, again, I know I know uh, you have a very um, strained relationship with the sack stat, right? But – um, the Eagles, they've only been able to put up four sacks over the past couple of weeks when you would expect them to actually get to the quarterback a little bit more, knowing what we know about those opposing offensive lines. But they have been getting a lot of pressures and a lot of hurries. And you've seen the impact of it, you know, with unfortunate turnovers and so on and so forth over the past couple of weeks. Um, but again, the pass rush has kind of been not as dominant as we thought it would be, right? You know, what's been your thoughts on the Eagles pass rush over the past couple weeks? Every bit as dominant as it was last year. Every bit. Might maybe even a little bit better. Um, And to be fair to them, they started slow last year as well. They didn't really break out into that week. Yeah, because you get sacks, and Jody gets mad at me. I don't give a flying you-know-what about sacks. Sacks are going to come when you have quarterbacks who hold on to the football. When you don't, um, you're not going to get sacks. Mac Jones was getting the football out really, really quickly. Um, Kirk Cousins was getting is not known for getting the ball out quickly, but he got it out quickly for him. And the one or two times he didn't, you know, Josh Sweat forced fumble. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you got a seven-yard field. That's why we talk about this. And this, there was this one poor Pittsburgh writer I paid on social media who, who played that game. Oh, don't give me pass rush win raids. You know, look at sacks. You got to make plays. And he got crapped upon by the entire world of, of the NFL right now. And it's not about advanced statistics or advanced analytics. Pressure and, and whatever metric you want to use is consistent with good players. Sacks are not Mm. because, you know, Carson Wentz, that was the game where the Eagles really took off. He was just holding off, holding on to the football, holding on to the football, holding on to the football. I always use Peyton Manning as the best example. You're not sacking Peyton Manning. He's getting rid of the football. It's coming out on time. So you can see if you're facing one, one week, and one the next, you might have a better pass rush on Peyton Manning. It's not going to result in sacks. 
So that part of it's never fixed, and that's why, you know, context from game to game. But you've seen the hurries and the hits and the pressures and every statistic you look at. You know, Jalen Carter's got 10 hurries already. Two games, yeah, that's insane. Um, You know, he's got one sack. Do you think he's been effective? Oh, very he's much been so. Pretty stinking effective if you watch the games. Yeah. Um, you know, Josh Sweat has been tremendous. He's got he's got yeah. two sacks, four hits, four hurries. Over yeah, even Jordan Davis, you know, it's 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 wild. He's even having an impact in the, on the pass rush. You know, him just being a big body collapsing everything makes it easy for those guys yeah, around him. He's right? got Jordan's got two sacks, so people are excited about that. Um uh Fletcher's got four hits, two hurries everybody Hassan Reddick's got five hurries and everybody's complaining yeah Um, Hassan Hassan is interesting because you know I see him getting so close to the quarterback you know he's so close to just popping one but like you said you know they get they get the ball out fast and I think if he had full range of motion with that hand I think I I think he probably would have had at least one or two by now but uh, he should be like Hassan Reddick in particular he's just been so close like it's, it's always been like a split second yeah, I mean, and and the sacks will come when they face quarterbacks. And Baker's, you know, he's gotten the football out. It, it, you know, a lot of it depends on coaching. Um, tends to be young quarterbacks, quarterbacks who can run the football, tend to hold on to it a little bit longer because they like to extend plays. You have to be facing a quarterback that's willing to let you sack him to get a lot of sacks. So. The pressure rate, that's why the pressure rate is more important because that indicates the consistency of the pass rush. And the Eagles have right now the best pass rush in football, period. End of sentence. Yeah. And, and the pass rush is going to be pivotal this week because, again, they, you know, the, the Buccaneers have a compromised offensive line. But on top of that, despite Baker Mayfield's recent uh, success over, over a two game span, historically, he has been a quarterback that has struggled uh, against the pass rush, against pressure. Um, as a matter yeah, of fact, he tends to hold on. But in, in the past, he tends to uh, hold on to the football a little bit too much, a little bit too long. Uh, but he hasn't proved that. Uh, right. But, uh, he, he has this year. Um, he has. But, you know, you know, for his career, you know, just to put it in perspective, for his career, you know, he has a 61.4% completion percentage, but then that plummets to 45% when he's under pressure, throwing 22 touchdowns and 24 interceptions when he's pressured in any situation. Um, and then on top of that, uh, according, to, according to Pro Football Focus, um, in week one of this season, he had a 41.4 uh, you know, pass, passing grade you know, when pressured and a pass rating of 59.7 uh, against the Vikings, right? And the Vikings, they don't really have a consistent pass rush uh, right now. But taking it a, a step further, I mean, 2022 – a 30.8 passing grade, 2021, a 35.8 passing grade, 2020, 41.0 passing grade, 2019 was his best year. And when it comes to responding to the pressure, 61.5, you know, it's, he just historically, see, Baker Mayfield to me has always been that quarterback where, you know, he has like a stretch where he looks like he can do the job without, without fail, but then he just falls off this, proverbial cliff he's never been he's always been a very his highs and his valleys have been always you know very far from each other 
Well, that tends to be the problem with, uh, uh, you know, the that sets people apart at the quarterback position is consistency from week to week. Um, you know, obviously, if you have highs and have lows, it's not as good as uh, an even keel at a high level. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, Jody brought this up this week, and I, I, I don't think people pay enough attention to the opposition. And that's not just Eagles fans, that's fans in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you say, oh, DeAndre Swift should have 175 yards because he had 175 yards against the Vikings and then Vita Bea shows up next week and you're going to be disappointed when that turns into 45 or 50 or whatever. You got to understand the competition. Pick your pay too. Exactly. Um, and that that comes with, with quarterback. And, uh, and a lot of it, if you think about last year, the criticism of the Eagles defense, well, they can't stop good quarterbacks. Isn't that baked into it? Like, who stops Patrick Mahomes? You, you can know? make him a little uncomfortable, maybe. But yeah. for the most part, it's, he's going to be we, Patrick Mahomes. We, is going we to be used that, we, and the Eagles did. They only gave up, as I said, if you go back to the Super Bowl, if I said going into the game, oh, they're going to give up 182 passing yards to Patrick Mahomes. I think everybody would have raised their hand. I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, but ultimately – the ending wasn't where you wanted it to be. Um, But the the assumption, and and we use the NBA uh, comp all the time, you know, Michael Jordan's going to get 30. How difficult are you going to make that 30? You know, when you face great players, they're going to do some things. But do you make it harder for them? That's kind of the goal. Um, And every team in the NFL is great players. That's why I say last week it was the exact opposite. That's why I'm so interested. This week you have Tristan Wirfs at left tackle, right? Mm -hmm. So Josh Sweat has has tough duty this week. That's one of the top five tackles in in pro football, Tristan Wirfs. Great player. Uh, All-pro level player. Last week I mentioned Hassan Reddick had the tough duty. He had to go up against Brian O'Neill. Still got some things done. Meanwhile, Josh got to go up against a backup because Christian Darisol was hurt, and he took advantage of it. That's what you're supposed to do. Right. But don't expect it this week. If he gets one play here, one play there, you know, because he's up against an all-pro, don't expect him to do what he does against a backup left tackle when he's playing it on all pro left it doesn't make sense yeah i mean you, you ultimately you're right it's just because someone ran up against uh the big bad wolf doesn't necessarily make them you know uh you know one of the worst edge rushers you know in the league right at the end of the day you know when when two forces collide you know the stronger force will ultimately prevail so i mean you're right at the end of the day it's all about matchups and if Josh Sweat is going up against an All Pro. Then, what, what do you what do you expect to happen? I mean, you can't. The reality is, just because he's an Eagle doesn't mean he's going to dominate everyone in front of him. Well, Josh is a really good player. I expect him to make a player too, but he's not oh, yeah, going right, to dominate. Course. He's not going to dominate the way he did right. last week because he's playing a whole different class of player. Now, Luke, you mentioned Kate Otten. This is the first time the Eagles haven't played a really good tight end. So, 
you know, the linebackers and safeties are going to look a little better when they're chasing around Hunter Henry and TJ Hawkinson. That's tough duty, as, as JG used to say. There's certain, and that's every team's got good players. And with the Bucks offense, it's, it's as you mentioned, it's Mike Evans, it's Chris Godwin, it's Tristan Wirfs. But guess what? Usually you're playing offenses with more than that. So it's still a good matchup for the Eagles. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one part of the game that I think is going to really tell, you know, tell a lot. And we spoke, we spoke about it yesterday for the Eagles offense, but for the Eagles defense, again, you know, situational football, you know, that's what the Eagles pride themselves on. But situational football hasn't really been um, at its best over the past couple of weeks. Um, they're going to have to improve in that regard on offense. The Buccaneers, they're 43 percent on third down. Uh, the Eagles defense, they're allowing teams to convert, uh, to convert third downs on a 44% clip. So that's right on par with what the Buccaneers do. Um, I think the Eagles need to improve vastly on third down um, when, when it comes to their defense. I see a team that's uh, inconsistent. They have a hard time getting off the field. Um, I understand the way they play defense. Uh, they want to limit points and not necessarily limit yards. But, you know, it's, it, there, there's, there's going to be key moments in this game where that defense has to step up. Uh, speak on uh, the Eagles' performance on third down and your perspective on it and how you felt about how they uh, you know, got the job done or maybe not have gotten the job done on third down on defense. Well, they had to persevere a lot last week. You come into the game without two starters, James Bradbury on, on the back end and Reed Blankenship. Um, and then you lose another in Avante Maddox. So you sort of had to persevere through that game and they they gave up whatever it was 364 passing yards they they gave up four touchdowns you know they're 32nd in the league right now and giving up touchdown passes part of that is because they've been playing from the lead which is good part of that is because they can't really deal with with good receivers if the pass rush doesn't get home, which isn't good. Now that should improve a little bit with Bradbury coming back um, and, and Reed coming back, but you're not going to have Avante Maddox. We've been talking about that nickel position all week. Looks like the Eagles are going to piecemeal. It. It's going to be some good rich. If Mike Evans goes in there, it's probably going to be Bradbury. Um, you might even see some Sidney Brown in the slot. So get ready for that. Um, they, they they got some issues on the back end to the point where you look at this defense and it's become more of a Jim Schwartz defense. Jim used to say the the defensive line is the engine of his defense, and he had a great defensive line here. You see what he's doing in Cleveland with that defensive line. Eagles defensive line, defensive front, I call it, because I'm talking about the edge players as well. They have to carry this defense because the back end is going to get hurt if, you know, you're letting good quarterbacks have time and throw the football. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you brought it up, you know, missing uh, Avante Maddox in that slot is going to be a huge loss for them. Uh, but then Mike Evans, Chris Godwin against those two, those two guys are, are two of the best, uh, you know, at their position respectively. And, you know, I'm curious to know a guy like Sean Desai, right? You know, no one Evans put up 171 yards, six catches, 
uh, touchdown last week, how dominant he is. He looks like he's on, he looks like a man on a mission. Um, what wrinkles could Sean Desai add to the defense to limit the damage that's being done in the passing game? Uh, well, we know this defense by now. We should know it. It's not going to change. I mean, it's, you know, they, they do what they do and it's going to be a lot of, um, uh, mixing up coverages. The goal is to, to make the quarterback wait that split second, uh, spin off, uh, everything after the snap post snap and try to confuse the quarterback just that little half second or whatever it is and 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 that's the whole thought process behind it so um they don't change very much from week to week um and you know it's one of the things i'm not a big fan of to be honest i think too many people play this defense i've seen it before with tony dungy in the cover two then it was uh seattle pete carroll in the cover three now it's the big Bangio defense. I think there's a tipping point. I think we've already reached that tipping point. I think quarterbacks see it too much. Um, and and now they've begun to uh, get the advantage. That's my personal belief. But if you're looking for these massive changes from week to week, you're not going to get them. It is what it is. You really hit this scheme, John. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 now, Hey, believe me, I got, I got people who swear by it and try to convince me all the time. And I say, well, it's built in, it's built into the defense. You can do all these different things. And they do, they play cover two and cover three and quarters coverage and cover eight. And there's a million different things they can do, but it's basically you default and it's easy to say that it's, it's similar to offenses and manufactured touches. It's easy to say that in the off season. And then when the real bullets are firing, you only got 40 seconds to make a decision. You keep defaulting to the same coverages over and over again. Quarterbacks are not stupid. They've seen it 150 times, 152nd time. They're going to get fooled. Maybe a bad quarterback, not a good quarterback. And you, and you saw it, and that's what people criticized the Eagles' defense for last year, good quarterbacks, right? It's easy for those guys. That, that The biggest problem people like Patrick Mahomes have against this defense or top-tier quarterbacks, whoever, insert name, the biggest problem is getting frustrated mm-hmm. because you try to keep everything in front of you, you try to rally up, you try to tackle, and they, by nature, want to push the football down the field a little bit. And that's your hope that somebody's going to make a mistake. But the smart ones just say, all right, similar to what I said about Brian Johnson, the running game, that's where you're giving me? All right, I'll take the seven yards in front of you and just, you know, matriculate the ball down the field. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of this scheme. (laughs) Oh, man, on that note, uh, as we begin to close the show, John, I appreciate you as always for taking the time out to kick it with me, man. I really appreciate it. Um, anything you want to announce, anything you're working on, um, you know, writing wise, article wise, uh, what's coming up next for this Philadelphia Eagles schedule wise, um, <laughs> are, you know, are, are they already en route to Tampa? Uh, you know, when will you be leaving? You know, give it, you know, give us the deets on what's coming up next for you. Uh, the Eagles, uh, Ophelia, a lot of plane cancellations today, as you can imagine. So a bunch of guys had their planes canceled today, but Eagles are leaving tomorrow. Uh, they'll okay. obviously have a charter, so they'll be there. You don't have to worry about them. Uh, the rest of us to be determined. 
Um, but yeah, they're done. Um, they practiced today at the Novacare Complex indoors, obviously. Today was a typical Friday, but the game's pushed back. So um, short practice, you'll get the final injury reports coming out soon, probably by four-ish or so. Um, I, I don't expect Wes Watkins to play. Everybody else should be good to go. Um, I mentioned the nickel. It's going to be piecemeal. Um, and, and I do think this is the game where <clears throat> the Eagles will try to get the passing attack. If, if, if the passing attack uh, continues to struggle a little bit after this game, I think there's a problem because the Eagles know the Eagles are well aware it's not going to be easy to run the football in this game. They are well aware of that. Um, so game planning is going in a different direction and we'll see if they're successful or not. Yeah. Uh, you know, three, you know, three games, in, three games in the NFL, that's considered a trend. So if, if they can't get that passing game going, um, we're going to have some issues uh, going forward. Um, John, before we get out of here, before I let you go, my man, I need you to give me a prediction. Uh, I do think the Eagles are going to win the game. I, I, you know, Tampa Bay's done a nice job getting out to a two and zero start, but remember the competition. Um, you saw Minnesota with the Eagles. They beat Minnesota week one, barely. The only reason they did was because Minnesota turns it over all the time. As you also saw, um, pretty clearly got outplayed as far as the yardage went, uh, but they just managed to turn the football over. Um, and then Chicago's, if not the worst team in the league, certainly in the conversation, if Arizona didn't exist, uh, that's a bad <laughs> football team. So, I, you know, I wouldn't get too hyped up on that 2-0 and start. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, I think they're, they're better than people expected because the, right. the defense is solid. Right. Um, but the offense has got a lot of work to do. I, yeah, I, I mean, their defense has limited teams 17 points in back-to-back weeks. Their defense is giving them opportunities. So they yeah, the defense, the defense is very good, but even for the defense, I mean, Minnesota's a good offensive team. But again, when they turn it over three times, it limits the scoring opportunities. And they turned right. it over in the red zone. Um, you know, they were going in for a touchdown through an interception. Um, so – you know, and you deserve credit for those types of things. So I don't want to downplay it, but do do understand that two and zero start wasn't against Dallas and San Francisco. You know, it was right. against Minnesota and Chicago. So um, and Chicago's really bad. Um, <laughs> so you know, Baker's playing well. Uh, right. You mentioned Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. But the offensive line is bad. The tight end's bad. The running back is young. He's done some nice things, but I don't think anybody's going to be scared of Rashad White. Um, this isn't the Tom Brady Bucks. So uh, everybody thought they were in rebuilding mode. They look a little bit better than that, mainly because of their defense. Uh, we'll see how long Baker can keep it up. Um, I don't think a lot of people have confidence in him playing uh, at a high level on a consistent basis. And he's going to be running around because that Eagles pass rush is, is not going away. Um, despite the lack of sacks, it's not going away. 
Absolutely, man. Uh, John, I appreciate you, man. You know, if, if no one understands your humor, trust me, I do. Um, <laughs> make sure you guys smash that like button. Make sure you guys stay subscribed to Jacob Sports. And if you're new, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button and hit the notification bell so you guys are made fully aware whenever the channel drops any more content. Check, check John out also on Burry's 365 with Jody Mack. Also lock in on Sports Take at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, 8 a.m. Eastern Time for Burge 365 as well. Uh, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Sports Take. Uh, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for the National Football Show with Dan Cilio. You guys, we appreciate you so much. Smash that like button. Oh, by the way, my prediction for this game, I think the Eagles do win. And I think the Eagles win this game 28 to 17. That's my score for this game. And uh, and I'm sticking to it. 28 to 17, Eagles fans. Uh, take care. Smash that like button. You guys were locked in on Football 24-7 with John McMullen. I'm your guy, Tone the Second. We'll see you next time.